The 4 O'Clock Football Frenzy is presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. So we don't have any movement yet on uh, Teddy Bridgewater, right? Not that I have seen. I have been keeping my social media up. And ready Do you believe there's any chance anyone is going to trade for him at, yeah. the, at that salary? Really? I think so. You don't think he's a good quarterback? No, I think he's a good quarterback. I don't want to pay him $20 million I mean, I over think two years. That's the going right, though, for quarterbacks now, right? Check I, that. $40 million over two years. I think yeah. he's due 18 and, like, whatever, 19, so 37, something like that. Look, I think he's done a really good – he did a really good job when he was filling in for New Orleans, right, after Drew Brees would go down in those stints. When he was healthy, he did a really solid job for Carolina. Like, I, I think if you're a team that believes they are a quarterback away-ish, right, for example, Denver – Right. right, I think he'd be a really good fit for a Denver type that is loaded with a lot of talent everywhere except for quarterback. What if they're the only suitor? Who why would you? Those? Yeah, why would you trade for him if no one else is going to trade for that salary? Then aren't the Panthers at that point forced to cut him? Yes, but I don't believe that the Broncos would be the only suitor. Right. Wouldn't the team that was undefeated with him a couple of years ago and potentially in quarterback hell want him too? No, the Saints. You're a Jameis Winston guy. They're they're they they have their quarterbacks and they're talking. Rumors have it. Rumor. Right? Saints going after your guy, Cal Trask. He of the 49840. Weren't you and I the, the ones who were arguing about Trask athleticism? Uh, I mean, you assumed that he was like some Taysom Hill type. But I, I did like, not say that. I, no I never said that. that no, you you assumed that he was like, I don't know, 48-year-old Vinny Testaverde. I, I assumed he was Mike Glennon, yes. He kind of looks like him sometimes. <laughs> he wasn't He wasn't impressive in the 40. No. Straight, straight line speed isn't everything. He's got some shiftiness. Okay. Sure <laughs> but anyway. Uh, the Saints are not going to get Teddy Bridgewater. Not at that salary. The Saints are in salary cap hell. They, they couldn't do anything. They had, cut, they had to cut everyone to get down there. Who's got the money? Maybe there's some sort of renegotiation. Look, I I don't – when it comes to money, I'm not going to pretend like I understand the cap situation. I, I don't either. All I know is that if a team wants a guy, they can find well, a way to if, go get If him. the team is the Chiefs or the Rams or, I don't know, Seattle. Like, there are certain teams out there, you're like, I guess they don't have a cap. You know, right, they just keep adding guys, and there's other teams who are like they're always up against the cap. Well, we can't do anything. Cap, like, wait a second. Like, if you're a team, like I said, I keep bringing up Denver because I just think it's a really good fit. But like using that as an example too, like if you're a team like Denver and there's multiple teams who potentially want him, you know, acquiring him for what would be a relatively cheap price to potentially push you against a schedule that's going to be pretty easy given the way you finished last year, right? Like you all of a sudden become at least a, I was going to say nine and seven. I would think a nine and eight type team and potentially pushing for a playoff spot after that. I think it would be fascinating if there are no suitors and then he's cut. And then I think there will be a bidding war mm-hmm. to get him with whatever monies teams have left. And I, one of the teams I was thinking of is actually the Steelers. And I'm talking about get a guy for next year. The Steelers better start thinking about, I mean, they, they, you could, you could not that they were caught off guard. You could see they were in a really bad position this year. Like, wait a second, we don't have a guy ready. And we don't like anyone who's available. I guess we got to go with Big Ben again. They can't. They're not going to do that after this year. I don't really trust them. I mean, like we saw, we like talked about last year. Like have someone in play. Like if you think about it, what the Saints did was kind of brilliant. The Saints start looking around. You know, they they have Breeze, they have Taysom Hill, and they're looking around. They're like, really, no one's going to take Jameis Winston. All right, we'll stash him. And now they got their bridge guy for whatever they're going to do. They got a guy for a year or two. Steelers better. And there are some other. I mean, obviously the Bears. I, I can't I can't talk the Bears anymore, quarterback. I, I just it's so stupid. 
I've heard that if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. So maybe that's okay. What, there you go. That's what the Steelers are thinking. Well, it's not, but it's not a battle over Big Ben's job. It's when Big Ben has to walk away, then they've got a guy who can play for a year at an affordable number who's proven in the past he can at least, you know, is he, is he going to win you 12 games? Probably not. But if you got a team around him, he's a low risk guy. He's not going to kill you. I mean, I don't think that's out of the case, like out of the realm of possibility. You talk about like 12 wins with Teddy Bridgewater. I just think the situation has to be very good around the Teddy Bridgewater for those 12 min- those 12 wins to come to fruition, and that's probably the problem, which is, again, going back to teams like Denver who have the skill positions built out and ready to go, why he would be a good fit for a team like that as opposed to a, I don't know, New England type, which has almost nothing around. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. Today's conversation with Mark McMillan is presented by Weed Cellars. Hit WeedCellars.com for the best in wine, bourbon, and beer. Our pal Mark McMillan is here with us on this Wednesday, and he's uh, grabbed another great guest, former NFL player Tony Richardson, who is working with the league. All right, guys, let's get right into it, and I'll keep you guys at arm's length because I know we got the whole Auburn-Alabama thing going on here, Tony. First of all, thanks so much for having me on. We, I, I wasn't gonna get into the Alabama Auburn rivalry. Really, I can't even talk. I can't even talk junk now because <laughs> what what Alabama has built down there. You might have ten. You might have ten. You might have ten first rounders this year. So I can't, I can't say too much. But uh, but not nah, thanks so thanks so much for having me on. But I kind of look back at my career, and I think the highlights for me because uh, obviously our time we had in Kansas City together. You know, we had these great teams, but we never got a chance to actually um, uh, win a playoff game. So. My first ever playoff game was here with the Jets. First ever winning playoff game was here with the Jets. Um, and, you know, it was pretty, you know, it was kind of the Bar Scott, you know, can't wait game where the whole world, you know, we went out to New England. They, they stomped a mud hole in us. And uh, no, one, no one gave us an opportunity to go, go back out there against Tom Brady in Foxborough. And it was us against the world. And we went, were able to go out there and win that game. And uh, that's probably the biggest, like, moment for me overall in my, in my NFL career just because – you know, they were a juggernaut then, and uh, it was kind of tw- toward the tail end of my career, and that was when I just really knew that it was all about the team. It wasn't about, you know, scoring touchdowns or, you know, doing all those kind of things. It was like a whole team effort, you know, special teams, offense, and defense to go out to the Patriots and uh, to be able to beat them. I didn't know it. Yeah. You were born in Germany. Yeah, man. Yeah, so uh, my dad uh, – so crazy enough, so my dad's a military man, a uh, Vietnam veteran, 32 years. And so I was born in Frankfurt, lived there for two years, uh, moved to El Paso, Texas for three, back to Germany for three, Fort Knox, Kentucky for three, back to Germany. And then finally got, uh, my dad got stationed at Fort Worker, Alabama. And uh, that's how I ended up, uh, first time early playing organized football. It was like my 10th grade year in high school. Um, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you land in the state, they're like, hey man, who you rooting for? I'm like, what you talking about? I'm like, Liverpool. They're like, no, nah. Auburn, Alabama. <laughs> so I, had, I had to draw the sign in the dirt. But, you know, funny enough, I actually, I took my official visit uh, to Alabama. And, um, you know, I went to the Gene Stallings football camp. And uh, But you know how it was like, yeah. there was 15 running backs at, at Alabama. I would have yeah. been number 15. And so <laughs> even, at, even at Auburn, I was still like number 11 or 12. But, you know, I, yeah. I ended up choosing Auburn. Mark McMillan's with us, our uh, football insider. 
course, uh, played with the Chiefs and the Eagles. We don't always mention the other teams. Uh, Tony Richardson's a former <laughs> Chief and Jet and also Viking. Played forever in the NFL, almost until he was 40 years old. I want to go back to your upbringing in Germany, uh, going back and forth and spending time in Germany, spending time in Europe. What do you think that did for you in terms of uh, you know building your character and the person you are? Yeah, it's a great question. And so a lot of things I do now, um, actually I work for uh, NFL Legends, um, so we got, I get a lot of opportunity to speak to, to our youth. And I always share because as a kid, I got bullied. Because what happens is, uh, you know, one, I was a little shorter in statue, uh, overweight, never really played sports. Um, so, and I tell kids that when you in the military, it's not like they say, okay, when school, when the school year is over, you guys are going to move. So a lot of times you're moving in the middle of the school year, uh, you're leaving all your friends behind. There was no social media. There was no way to keep in contact. So I was always the new kid in school. So I think, that was kind of tough because I have zero childhood friends, not one. Um, but then the flip side is I was able to, you know, as I started to having to do it more, reintroduce myself, as Jay-Z would say. I had to always be able to stand up in front of school and be like, hey, my name's Tony Richardson. I'm from here. And to be able to have confidence. So now to the point where I can walk in pretty much any room and, and you know, feel confident. And, um, you know, if there's 100 people in the room, I'm going to get I'm going to have 10 friends by the time I get out of there just because I always had to. Uh, you know, I had to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, just kind of mingle in and, and, and overcome a lot of different obstacles as a kid. That's former NFL player Tony Richardson with us. So you mentioned, you know, your, your dad's military, right? A Vietnam vet. So you bring a, an interesting perspective in terms of what was going on with the kneeling and Colin Kaepernick and what he was trying yeah. to shine a light on, which at the exactly. time was police brutality and, you know, good cops and bad cops. The message got skewed, and I, I often thought when I hear people say, hey, these guys who were kneeling, they're disrespecting the military. And I would throw out to people, you, know, you realize a lot of the guys kneeling and a lot of guys around the NFL, African-Americans, had family that served in the military. I don't think they hate the military. Yeah, you, you're absolutely right. So my uh, a little another backstory, my sister, she did 28 years in uh, four deployments. So when all that was going on, uh, my sister had just, she just retired about a year and a half ago, two years. So my sister and my dad both said, we understand as, as veterans that this had nothing to do with the military, the disrespect to the flag. It was, like you said, it was uh, uh, systematic racism, um, you know, police brutality. It was all those different things that, you know, because even me, I live in New York City and I was able to open my window and see the uh, protesters up and down the street. I see the defund the police. I see all those kind of things. And so for me, it was uh, we just needed a systematic change. And that was a way to get, you know, get attention. So um, and get the message out. But I do agree with you 100% that some people took the message and they wanted to just run with it a different direction and it had nothing to do with the, the disrespect of the flag or the military and every military person. And I actually do, um, there's a group I belong to with Jay Glazer called uh, MVP. And there's a, we have a chapter based in uh, Vegas, is merging uh, veterans and players. And we talk, uh, I do the Vegas chapter, I do the New York chapter, I do the LA chapter. And there's not one person on that call that felt that, uh, or in our meetings that feel like that, that athletes were disrespecting them. They really understood what it was all about. Not every military military person agrees with what Tony just said. It's not a monolith. There are, there are folks, there are veterans, there are mili active military who do right. think, hey, you know what, it is disrespectful. But what we yeah. can't do is then have the you know this split and not have the conversation. Like the dialogue needs to continue so that we can yep. come together more. You know, especially right. in the you know the world of vets and, and active military. Yeah. And, that, and that's a that's a great point, because I think, you know, I think what you know, what we're starting to see is as long as you have the conversation and you're willing to have the conversation, because there's going to be a lot of things. There were some things about the black black movement that I didn't necessarily agree with of how it was handled. That's OK to talk about those kind of things. But if you live in your world, you know, like right now, I'm living in New York City and we got this whole uh, Asian hate. 
You know what I mean? Like you got to take time out of your out of your day to understand what someone else goes through. Like people, you know, ask me like, you know, they don't understand. Like if I'm you know, I have a a Mercedes, me drive a black man driving a white Mercedes with tinted windows in New York. I get pulled over all the time. So just because I pull up to the stadium and when I when I leave that stadium, I'm still a black man living in New York City. And there's a there's a lot of things that come along with that. So I agree with you 100 percent, Steve, that having that conversation and having uncomfortable conversations and talking about, you know, because people like I don't see color. Don't you don't say it. Everybody sees color. But it's understanding that I respect you. You respect me. And we can figure out a way to get along. And, you know, more we can have that dialogue, the better our country is going to be overall on every topic. And I, I say I, I follow the uh, MVP uh, guys here and I talk to Jay Glazer every now and then through direct yeah. message. And he's always like, hey, come on out. And I'm like, man, I look at some of the training that those dudes are doing. Oh. I was like, I was, <laughs> yeah, like man, I was like, I don't know if I'm ready for that, Jay. He's like, man, you don't have to do the level that these guys are doing. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I do want to, I do want to be a part of that because they have, you know, athletes, former, you know, uh, military guys. It's just a good, yep. good family. So I, you know, they have a really good thing going on. So maybe me and Steve would drop in one day. Yeah, you know the thing about it is the the workout is 30 minutes, but the power to huddle is what we say is the most important part because. The workout's 30 minutes, and then we just have open conversations and talk about transition. We talk about some of the things that our servicemen and women have seen, and we talk about it as a former player. Like, you know, all of a sudden you're playing, and then however you leave the game, it's like, boom, ain't nobody there to help pick you up. And it's like, so now you got a team of people to help you through that transition, and, um, you know, having a team with you at all times really helps you a lot. Yeah, I, I definitely need a little pickup every now and then. Hey, Tony, we appreciate a couple minutes. Let's definitely try to hook up uh, during the summer okay. before the football season when you got some more time. And congrats on all your success. Thank you so much. Anytime you need me, I'm here. I appreciate it, man. Even though I have all more right, touchdowns than you when we was in Kansas City, baby. <laughs> there you go. Shay, shots fired. Hey, I'm going to shoot you a text. I'm going to shoot you a text with the MVP link, too. So, um, yeah, you should definitely come on. I, I'll send appreciate it to you, bro. Rich. There he is, Tony, Tony Richardson, the former chief and Jet and uh, just an Ironman, played with the Vikings, yeah. was in the league from uh, 95 to 2010, and you guys go back a long way. So that was a cool conversation with Tony Richardson. All right, well, let me, let me get your reaction on the NFL news of the week, and that was uh, the Jets saying, you know what, we're done with Sam Darnold. They get a second, a fourth, and a sixth. I'm not thrilled with the deal, but um, the handwriting was on the wall that they wanted a fresh start. They didn't want to have a quarterback battle because they're going to take a quarterback at number two. So what do you think of the move? I think it was a good move for, for both of those uh, parties, you know, especially Sam. I, I didn't see any upside with him uh, getting any better there. Um, you know, being in New York is tough. And, you know, losing games and, you know, a lot of – he's been in and out of uh, the, the, the protocol. He's been hurt all season. And he really didn't have, you know, the weapons that he needed to, to flourish and, and be the quarterback that they drafted him to be. And so I, I think, you know, whatever picks it is – at the end of the day, man, it's, it's, it's are they happy with what they did? And is Sam going to be happy uh, moving on? In my my opinion, he's going to be ecstatic. I think I tweeted out, he just probably ran straight from his apartment, straight to the uh, TSA checkout line and just headed to Carolina because he gets a fresh start. Uh, he gets to you know, have a dynamic running back and Christian McCaffrey that's going to help him out as well. Mark McMillan is with us. It's brought to you by Weed Sellers. Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. You can get the uh, best in bourbon, wine, and beer. All right, well, how did the uh, the cooking venture go last week? It was so many cooking ventures. I, I'm, I'm like, man, how many did I do? You know, I, I, did, <laughs> I did two cooking ventures, and, you know, it went really well. Uh, I had, like, over 50 people that tuned into my Instagram live feed, and I cooked the steak, uh, and then at the end, you know, I kind of refreshed everybody that was back east that was cold with a nice sangria mix. I made a homemade sangria. From red wine, 
Wow. Come on, man. I'm, I'm turning the leaf, man. I, there's <laughs> nothing else I can't do. There's no, If I'm making sangrias, man, next is going to be tacos. Today is Monday, but tomorrow I might throw tacos on the grill. So it, it's going great, man. And uh, I, I'm excited for, for the adventure that, you know, I'm on. And, you know, just got to keep that momentum going. The support I've been getting from social media and people around, uh, you know, around the country, you know, buying my flavor packs from GrillaMcMillan.com. Uh, to you guys supporting me as well uh, at ESPN. Uh, it, it's been great, man. So I'm, I'm ready. Uh, now we're getting ready to do seafood. I'm about to change the game, baby. Here we go. Here we go. I'm about, I'm about to change. It's going to be happy to see you. It's going to be the name of the seafood. So my guys at uh, happy to meet you, Scott, and those guys, uh, making sure they're taking care of me. Uh, you know, my family over there at Weed Cellars is always supplying me with the great wine and bourbon. So I'm excited with everything I got going on, man. And, you know, obviously next week is a big week as well. As Mark said, he's changing the game. Uh, part of changing the game is playing golf. He he likes he loves golf. And you got a charity golf tournament coming up. So how do people get involved and uh, potentially get paired with uh, some of the great celebrities who are going to be playing out at Paiute? Follow me on my Twitter feed or, you know, or my Instagram feed. Uh, it's MarkMcMillan29. And you can bid on an opportunity to play in the uh, MGM Championship Pro-Am with a corn very pro as well. So it'll be me, a pro, and three other guys. So we started off the bid. The opening bid yesterday was 1500 I woke up this morning. We're up to $4,100. That's going to benefit the Nevada Junior Golf Association here in Nevada. So I'm excited about that. We'll be out at the Paiute Golf Course. So make sure you uh, place your bids. I'll love to come and play with you guys. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll probably muck it up a little bit, but I've been on the jumping range to get better. So I'm excited, man. And they get $500 worth of Nike swag that comes along with the package. There's pool parties at the MGM. There's a parents party that we're going to be doing on Monday. Uh, so I'm excited, man. And pool party in Vegas when it's 90? <laughs> yep. I don't know, Big Steve. It's going to be pretty hot out there, baby. <laughs> I like that. Big Steve. Big Steve. I got to shed some weight before pool season. <laughs> So it's going to be great, man. If you want to come out, Steve, and man, I, I get you and your peoples out there, man, get you to the parents' party. Uh, you know, you got to wear some shades because, you know, people have been dying to get out and put on a, uh, their dinner floss here in Vegas. So it's going to be exciting. <laughs> All right, Mark. Uh, time is short. I know you're a busy guy. We appreciate you hooking us up with uh, Tony Richardson. That was a great conversation, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon, okay? All right. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, thanks, Mark. There you go. Mark McMillan, the former NFL player. Spot Every Week is brought to you by WeedSellers.com. It's W-E-E-D-C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. No cannabis involved, no CBD. It's the best in wine, bourbon, and beer. Go check it out at WeedSellers.com. Mark McMillan on ESPN Las Vegas is brought to you by Weed Sellers. Hit WeedSellers.com for an outrageous selection of wine, bourbon, and beer. And make sure to ask for Weed Sellers at your liquor and grocery store. Time now for Dustin DeHart's Club 99. Back to Steve Cofield. Paddleborn Broadcast Center on a Wednesday. We're going to talk to uh, one of the newest UNLV assistants, Carlin Hartman. That'll be in the 5 o'clock hour. we got a good big five on the way. Dustin DeHart is going to join us later on. We'll talk a little real estate and also get his reaction on the fantasy football front to some of the quarterback movement. But uh, Club 99 would like to... Uh, Give a score, a little Madden scale, right? I'm ready. I think for the most part, Ari gets what we're doing, uh, especially when we talk food. And he's such a picky eater, he's such a weird guy. He sent over a food item, and he's like, "Yeah, I would do this, but maybe not the jalapenos." And I was like expecting some 
exotic, like crazy sandwich. It's from the link is from Portillo's, you know, hot dog and Italian beef place, mm-hmm. Chicago. And then when you clicked on the link, what'd you see? It's just like a beef sandwich with peppers. An Italian beef sandwich. It's great. Peppers. And uh, I'm not even sure there's jalapenos on there. It might be that whatever that stuff is, that jardinera. You sent over an Italian beef sandwich, and you're like, yep, I'm going to walk on the wild side. I might try this. That's correct. It's a big French dip. That's yeah, that like looks great. I might try one of the most basic pieces of like cuisine that is out there. It's not morning. dripping in cheese or mayo or all kinds of things that don't belong there. It's just there. You can get cheese on it if you want. No cheese? Actually, I feel like there is some cheese hidden, hidden there. Yeah, I would pass on the cheese. If- you want no cheese? What about double dipped? Do you want a double dipped? Sure. What, like the au jus stuff? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. why not? Well, wow, look at this. How, adventure- however it comes, you know, I'll just take, you know, uh, I'm boy, an adventurous no. guy. Well, said, no, you, you won't. You literally just said you wouldn't. Um, <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. This is as good as it gets, John. Admission. I've never had a French dip and or au jus sauce in my life. What is wrong with you? Yeah, what I second that. that. I mean, you, you broke the news last year that you hadn't had pumpernickel. That's probably longer than last year. I forgot yeah, you've been gone for a while. Was, I think it was, it was a like producer. Five, it was like five years ago. Hey, you know, it doesn't seem like ever left. I uh, made a promo out of it. Did you ever break the uh, the pumpernickel? Did you get off the schneid with uh, the pumpernickel? You never tried it? Of, really? Could have been, yeah. You've never, some a French side. dip is like a staple of almost like every bar, tavern, it's menu. Just like one of those things where it's just I've never, it's it's not that I've like actively avoided them. It's I've never just sat down and been like, I want a French dip today. They sound great. No one's made the pitch to you. It's mm-hmm. a it's a very solid it's a it's a solid sandwich and a safe sandwich. I've seen my dad get them. Yeah. My problem has always been there's so much more dip. Like what do you? Oh, like, I think there's, there's not. So, there's I think so there's not more. enough dip. Oh, you soak it in there. Huh? You got to. Yeah. Interesting. What do you have? Au jus at home? Don't when when you go out au to jus. eat. Thank you. When you're right. When you go out to eat, my, my friend just telling me. When you go out to eat, do you look at the menu sometimes and you're like. Okay, I keep getting the same thing. Oh, no. I no, thought no. about it the other day. I was like, will you please get something that you don't and you can't make at home? And I still, of course, went vanilla with, I, I, I like meatball sliders. So, about a year and Idiot. a half ago, about a year ago, probably, no, a little bit longer than that. No, my, my wife and I kind of made like the decision to, like, when we go out, like, we wanted to do more things, try more new stuff. It's how we got, by the way, like, over the last two years, we've been one of the biggest consumers of a, a nice Indian spot down the street. We tried Indian food for the first time. Beautiful, and it was incredible. And that's all you know. It was incredible, and that's what we get now. What's so, your dish? Do you have a dish of choice? I'm a Indian chicken vindaloo guy. Yeah, vindaloo is awesome. And then we get a little chicken chili. Uh, I love. They had this goat curry one time because that's when back and never gonna have this again. But the one spot we go to had the lunch buffet. Yeah. Oh, get out of here with that goat curry. That was good. I know. I, I think I know the place with the lunch buffet. I don't yeah. know if they're coming back. I hope they do. I hope so. Yeah, actually, I had Indian uh, last night. Ooh, good for you. Uh, it was from uh, TJ's. I think it was probably four years old. TJ's? Trader Joe's. Oh, stop. The uh, the SO has a, a bad habit of she, she buys a lot of food and gets buried in the freezer, and I'm like, all right, well, the human gar- garbage can's got to take care of this. Oh, okay, yeah. So I took care of it. It was fine. It's frozen. It's, 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 it doesn't go bad. Like 10 but years. To your point. But, I, I, but it was like some lovely, like uh, I think it was like veggie biryani. I don't know how to say it, but little dumplings and stuff. It was good. If I go out, spice. I will generally try to order something different. Like I usually get something that I do not get unless it's like a favorite spot. You know what I mean? Like if it's a sushi spot, you know, don't really go off of the rolls that I dig. But other than that, if it's a new spot, try new things, baby. All right. Well, you make a commitment once a year to try something new. 
you with know no modern, with no customization, no nothing. Yeah, no I, I actually think those are pretty fair parameters. Once once a year, I think I can handle that. I have all year to set it up, right, and to think about it and think how I'm going to approach it. So yeah, I think I can figure uh, that out. When we're allowed back in the building, it's been a pristine room there. It's a uh, very sterile. If no. if I bring in Italian beefs for the room, that's a that's a good way to kind of reintroduce ourselves to the studio to the Finley Toyota Studios with just how'd you say it earlier? I don't wanna I don't want to do like the New Jersey accent. Aju. Yeah, with the Oju. Oh. Oju. Yeah. Are you down for Italian beefs? Yeah. Double do dip. No cheese. Let's do it. Don't don't come in here like with the Popeyes, which was very nice of you by the way, but it was dripping in mayo, so uh, well, one of the one of the biggest losses for Lotus Broadcasting during the pandemic is the communal food trough oh, in the break room. We see it all right. the food. Right, right. All of our partners would bring in food. Now we would never get it because it would always be lunchtime. We'd get there at three o'clock and the and if we and actually if we did get it while we we're on the air, what happened? If it if it got dropped off at like three oh five. No shot. We got in trouble that year because whoever our partner was specifically brought pizza for Cofield and Company. Yes. And it was destroyed in twenty minutes. Ravaged. And we thus verbally destroyed everybody on the air and we got in trouble. I got mad at us. <laughs> they, came, they were like, "Yeah, you better tone that down a little bit." Ridiculous. I also saw, I also witnessed somebody eating like a communal cake. Yeah, eating it straight out. Yeah, like yeah, like with the fork that they wanted. Well, that's like, all going to change. Yeah. The, the, like, the the lotus the lotus crew around the building will be much better mannered. Yeah, will be neat. Won't double dip. The worst. It's all going to change. Well, you remember that the pizza incident? Uh, yeah, we had. Uh, we had a place bring pizza over for us, and he dropped it off at, at 3 o'clock. That's when the show started. And we walked out, you know, first break. We went a little longer. It was like 320, and 80% gone. That's what we're talking about. You yeah. know, half slices, like bites out of slices left there. We got in trouble. Uh, yeah, we we snapped off. But we also discovered, like, someone had left work for the day at 2, right. and they're driving home, and they hear us talking about the pizza. <laughs> yep. <laughs> driving across, you know, when... When some of our major highways didn't have the freaking official median, just driving across the, let's go, man. My employer has free food. Get out of the way. We see him. We see him there at three fifty-five. We're like, you left for the day, and because that person, I needed them to do something for me. Like I needed them to actually fulfill a task for my job. Like, nah, can't do it. But they came back an hour later for the pizza. That was for me. Oh, we missed the crew at Lotus Broadcasting, don't we? Can't wait to get back in the building, everybody. I'm sure they can't wait to see us after we whine like this and rip them. So I'll say Ari being adventurous with an Italian beef sandwich, which is kind of the about as adventurous as he's going to get. That's uh, I'll give it a solid uh, 87 Italian beef sandwich in general. 98. I, I it's delicious. Ungraded then. I've never had one. I'll give Ari's efforts like a, a 70. Well, you're, you're I don't feel like you're objective on grading any of Ari's efforts. Well, no, the 71 is because he said he would take off the peppers. You can't customize. If he would have said right. he would have been fully in, then 95. There you go. We go down to the strip, or damn near close to it, and we find out what happened with the NCAA tournament. We get you ready for the Masters. We go behind the counter. John Murray is with us from Superbook Sports inside the Westgate. Club 99 is presented by Dustin DeHart at Nova Home Loans. Want to talk interest rates and ask about getting your mortgage tuned up? Dustin is Cofield's real estate guy. He needs to be yours, too. Call Dustin DeHart at 577-2600. 
It's Cofield and Company's Eye on Sports Betting with John Murray. All right, let's get into it. Let's see what's going on behind the counter, how the books did. I think there was a mixed bag of results on the national title game and the Final Four. John Murray's with us from Westgate, Superbook Sports. What's up, John? Steve, what's up? Adam Hill, I'm sure you're there. How you doing? Oh, doing good, man. Yeah, yeah. This, you know, what happened to the work ethic in this country, Steve? No Adam Hill on this show tonight? I mean, it's pathetic. He's off on Wednesdays. He's got he's, he's a busy guy. He's covering UFC this week. Covering UFC this week. Yeah, it's very sad. Uh, yeah, we you know we we did well on the game. Uh, Baylor was our best position in the futures book. So our, our best case scenario going into the weekend was Baylor winning the national championship, and they did. I'm not going to pretend I thought it, they would win it like that. I was shocked, honestly, but certainly we were very happy with the result on Monday night. What shocked you the most about the game? Uh, the fact that Gonzaga was never in the game would be, am I allowed to say, that, is that too uh, easy of an answer? Like, you always expect a team like that to make a run. I know that, what was the score, 11-1, to 1, and they just kept adding to the lead, and Gonzaga just never made a run. They never even really made the game interesting. It was stunning how much quicker Baylor was, how much more athletic Baylor was, an overwhelmingly impressive performance by the Baylor Bears. And Baylor had such a tougher path to get to the championship game than Gonzaga did. Baylor really earned that title. They went through Wisconsin, Villanova, Arkansas, Houston, Gonzaga, an undefeated Gonzaga team. They did not have an easy path. They did it the hard way. Baylor and Gonzaga meet up tomorrow night, another game. What do you make the line? I think it's like a pick 'em game. Uh, I don't think uh, you know. I wouldn't go so far as to say that you would make uh, make Baylor favored. I think that'd be a little bit much. But I think it's close to a pick 'em, uh, with maybe one team minus one either way, at best. I mean, I think there'd still be a lot of people looking to bet on Gonzaga. Uh, a great a, a, should have been a great ending to a, the college basketball season. We got the great ending on Saturday night with that Gonzaga UCLA game, but. Two of the, the two best teams in the country played in the championship game. One of them just got crushed. Do you think uh, Few was part of the reason? Not great with in-game adjustments. Uh, is Mark Few an overrated coach? Is he a guy that we're never going to see win a national title? You can't really ask for a better opportunity than what he had. What he had on, on on Monday night. So it's very possible. You know, we've got we've got Gonzaga as the favorite for next year at five to one. We've got the odds out for twenty twenty two at the Westgate Superbook. So I can't say never. But, you know, you really can't ask for the, the table to be set better for you than it was for Mark Few this season. They had a very easy path to the championship game, playing an 11 seed in the, in the semifinals, and they almost lost that game. So I don't know that Gonzaga will ever really have a better opportunity than what they had on Monday. So at this point, I'd say probably not. We probably won't ever see Mark Few win at all. My biggest takeaway from Monday, John, was that, uh, wow, there's two college teams that would be favored over the Houston Rockets, huh? Um, <laughs> Hey, is that, doing is that you, John? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. But uh, Baylor was – I think people forgot how good Baylor really was. You know, they were a yeah. team that was just behind Gonzaga in the future book. And when you look back in, like, Jan- late January, early February, before the team had a COVID outbreak. And the thing that was really impressive about Baylor at the time was they were doing that in the Big 12. You know, night in and night out, they were playing really good competition in the Big 12. I know the Big 12 sputtered out in the NCAA tournament. But they were the team that I, or I'm sorry, the conference that I thought was the best in, in, in the country all year. And Baylor was, every night, was crushing these Big 12 teams while Gonzaga was playing weaker competition in the West Coast Conference. I think that's fair to say. So I guess it shouldn't have come as that much of a surprise, but it was stunning the way that Baylor beat them. 
John, from a result standpoint, too, and we talk about this, right, always about the futures and how you guys do on the ultimate result. But in game, uh, I would assume, was there a lot of people chasing to get back on Gonzaga in the comeback and that helped out? Well, how can you blame them? You know, how can you blame guys taking Gonzaga plus nine and a half or, or plus ten and a half, however high it got? I, I can see where you'd be coming from with that bet, assuming that they're eventually going to make a run. Like I said at the beginning of this segment, you just kept waiting for that to happen and it never happened. So, yeah, that's, that's good for you. That's good for you as a house, too. You also get people betting the second half, assuming there's going to be a comeback from the favored team that never came. Looking at next year's national title odds, I mean, you kind of you closed the book there on Gonzaga saying it might be tough for you to win a national title, but they're favored at 5-1. to one. Uh, Our college basketball insider, Joe Esposito, said earlier he really likes Ohio State next year just in general. They're 16-1. to one. Um, Is Arizona going to stay at 40-1? to one? Well, we got to see who's going to be the coach there. You know, I know that's a cop-out of an answer, but I don't see much of a reason to lower them unless they really hit a home run with their coaching hire. That's a great job in Arizona. They should have, you know, their pick of the litter in terms of who they get to be the next head coach there replacing Sean Miller. We could see them get lowered a little bit, but UCLA right there on the Pac-12 is going to be such a trendy team in the future is this offseason after that run they had to the national semifinals. So I don't know how much attention Arizona's really going to get unless they go out and just make a home run coaching hire. John, how much action do you take on these like immediately after a national championship game like this in terms of the futures? Uh, there was some action we saw yesterday. We had a guy come in, uh, bet 1500 bucks on Michigan State and $1,000 on Oregon. Oregon 60-1, to 1, Michigan State 30-1. to 1. You usually get tickets on the team that just won the championship, Baylor in this case, and then UCLA, like I mentioned, a very trendy team. We've already seen a few bets come in on UCLA. And then our second favorite for next year is Michigan. Michigan looks like they're going to be bringing several of the guys, their key guys back. They've got a good recruiting class. Michigan, really the only Big, uh, big Ten team that didn't fall on its face in the NCAA tournament. So their team, I think, is going to be very popular in the, in the futures market. All right, let's transition to pimento cheese sandwiches and <laughs> everything that is the Masters at Augusta. First off, have you ever had pimento cheese? We were talking about this earlier. Have I ever had pimento cheese? I don't know. Probably. You know, I'm from Virginia. I'm from the South, uh, from a, a sleepy town, McLean, Virginia. So I'm sure at some point they, they gave me pimento cheese. But I, I, I can't say that I recall it. So Jordan Spieth, I, I think, is probably the biggest story coming into this week uh, just because he gets the win right prior, uh, prior to. So two-part question, John. One, uh, the adjustment that you guys made after Spieth wins this past weekend heading into Augusta and what the action has been on like uh, on like him, excuse me, on him uh, before that tournament and, of course, coming into this week. You know, you could have gotten Jordan Spieth here at the Westgate as recently as like Super Bowl weekend at 60-1. to 1. Uh, we got we got all the way down to ten to one after he won last week in, in Texas the Valero Open. Now we bumped him back up to twelve to one. I think that was largely due to us ridiculing Jeff for panicking him all the all the way down to ten to one. He's now back up to twelve to one. In Jeff's defense, Jeff Sherman, of course, I'm talking about at golf odds. A lot of people are betting on Jordan Spieth. He's been one of the trendier guys at the window. He's not leading the way in terms of tickets. That's Justin Thomas, who we have a ten to one at the Westgate. But a lot of support for Jordan Spieth as well. We are a small loser right now on Jordan's speed. How about some of the other big boys, uh, John Rahm, Roy McIlroy, Dustin Johnson? Uh, what is the action like for there? Rahm is a popular pick. Uh, some guys I respect have said that they like John Rahm. Justin Thomas leading the way in terms of tickets. Colin Morikawa, the local guy, second in tickets. And one of our biggest liabilities on the board amongst the favorites, which I found interesting. I didn't, I didn't think he'd be quite that popular uh, coming into this weekend. And then, 
Another guy, Patrick Cantlay, he always seems to get a lot of wise guy action, wise guy attention. And we're starting to build up a liability on Brooks Kepka. Kepka's been getting a lot of support in the last 24 hours, and we've lowered him from 30 to 1 to 25 to 1. Right now, we have Dustin Johnson as the favorite at 8 to 1. We're about break even on him. And you got to keep Bryson DeChambeau low after that very impressive performance in the driving range at Augusta the other day. We've got him at uh, 10 to 1, and we're a good winner on DeChambeau. For, for that, but yeah, that was real. It, 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 he was VJ Singh is sitting there watching him. It was real, like that. That was really my God. He swings hard. What an I think he, Yeah, he was. That was a real. Like he wasn't trying to be funny. No, I mean that was actually what he. That's actually his process. Yeah, it looked like it. Yeah, uh, that was uh, that was amazing uh, television. But yeah, we we've got Deschambeau ten to one. He's always a dangerous guy though. He's just so long off the tee. He's a guy you got to be concerned with. It hurts us going into this weekend not having Tiger Woods. You know, I don't know how you can be a fan of golf and a fan of the Masters and not miss Tiger Woods this weekend. And I know that that not having Tiger in the field is really going to impact our handle. Well, and for those who don't know, you know, I, I made a face that you did not see, John, when you mentioned Brooks Kepka. Brooks Kepka, who can't bend his, his right knee when he goes to, like, check the greens because he's had a knee procedure done. Uh, it is amazing to me that he's actually getting some attention. Do you guys have make-miss stuff over at the Westgate, John, or is it just outright? Oh, I'm sorry, John. I, I didn't hear the question. Do we have what? Uh, do you have make-miss the cut uh, props? Make-miss the cut. Excuse me. I didn't hear that. Uh, yes, we do. I mean, let me, I can look up the Kepka one for you. But we've got, like, make-miss the cut on a number of the diff- a number of players, not everybody in the field, but we've got uh, a number of the key guys listed. So you're saying – if I understand you correctly, you're saying you want to bet against Kepka making yes, the sir. cut? Is that I would what you're like saying? to bet uh, against the guy who can't bend over to check his ball on the green. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to find the Kepka one here. Uh, I don't know. I might have to give it to you at the end of the show. I got Jeff's got Sherman did about nine million props, so it's going to take me a while to uh, <laughs> to scroll through all these. Uh, but I'll get I'll get you that number when I find it. Steve, I don't know if you know this, but Jeff Sherman likes golf quite a bit. I've heard that. Very yeah. good. You go with golf odds on Twitter. That's a, that's a sign. I don't have anything. That's it. No, I mean, well, I mean, we can go through some of the other selections. I mean, but like, there's just like, I'm with John. The whole grand around the Masters. Let's get this over with. Well, I, mean, I don't think John said that. No, I mean, he, he said, said the handle. I think he said the handle that. was down. I don't think he said the Masters. You know, you know, yeah. Jeff did not list. Uh, Jeff did not list Kepka to miss the cut. Unless I'm missing it here in the system. There's so many of these things. But I think what it, it looks like Jeff left Kepka out of some of these these props. Like, will the guy make the cut? Will they finish top this, top that? Because of probably what John is saying. Potential injury question marks around Brooks Kepka. So it looks like here you've got you've got Kepka in some matchups, but it's either that or you can bet him to win the tournament at 25 to one. I'm showing Steve a picture of him checking his ball on the green. Okay. Wow, that, that looks difficult. He can't bend his. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, yeah, that doesn't give me a lot of confidence that he's going to play well and potentially win this tournament. Or I don't know about the cut thing. I don't know enough about golf to say if he's going to make. A cut. I, you know, I still think our, our handle will be really good, though, guys. You know, we've got Jeff said he's done more props, more matchups, more betting options than he's ever done before on uh, on the Masters this week. And he just texted me. He must be listening. I admitted Kepka from props with the injured knee. So Jeff Sherman listens to your guys' show. Oh, Jeff okay. Sherman did more props and more matchups than he's ever done on the Masters before. You can bet them all at the Westgate. And you can deposit into your Westgate Superbook account for free, guys, through Sightline. No deposit fee. So, John, if you want to reload, fire on the Masters. You can do so for free, my friend. Wow, that's good. Wait, how do we do it? Through the Sightline Play, play Plus option. No deposit fees. We cover the, the deposit fees for you in Nevada. 
Oh, I love that. I love that. Now that I know I have Jeff Sherman's attention too, by the way. What's up? <laughs> What's up? Uh, John, the conversation got a- shifts right over to the NBA now that you know Sherman's in, uh, in the car uh, car ride home. Important food question. Uh, I'm assuming you're pro-French dip. You've had a French dip. John Von Tobel's never had a French dip. I didn't even know that was possible. Uh, how, how can an individual go 25-some years, however old John is, without having a French dip? That's bro. 30. 30. Shit. I don't know. I've just, I've I never think he was giving you credit for not trying to have a French dip at one and a half. I mean, I, I've... Yeah, I've never heard <laughs> <of him. laughs> yeah. 18 months trying to chop down, trying to gum a, yeah, very good a French dip. All right, John Murray, we appreciate it. We'll see you out there this weekend. Thank you. Gentlemen, thank you. Take care. There you go. John Murray is the Westgate Superbook Sports. Get ready for the Masters, and that is good news. Uh, being able to deposit from afar, well, yeah. you know, in the state of Nevada, that's a pretty cool deal. Man, you are sour. We'll get to why you're so sour. I feel like you're anti-Masters. Uh, I, you, know what I feel, you know what it is? You can tell John, John with this whole anti-boomer thing, the millennial thing, it's always part of the fabric of like every discussion. And I, I think he get, he gets irked, especially at his workplace, because you are around so much pro-golf uh, attitude and the host love talking golf. And I think you're, you're worn out. But we're going to talk golf coming back. The Masters is coming up. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews.